Well, hello everyone. We are here in Command Center uh, for our church uh, doing a couple things. Thought we'd shoot our announcement video real quick. Uh, coming up August 5th, uh, it's going to be next Sunday is our next newcomers lunch. Uh, if you're new to the church and you'd like to meet the staff, ask any questions, uh, join us for that. That's going to be after our 11 o'clock service next Sunday for people who've been coming the last few, you know, weeks or, you know, like to get to know us better. So August 5th, after the 11 o'clock service here at the church. Uh, also coming up, there's another jam night. Excited to bring that back. That's going to be August 16th. Uh, at 6.30 p.m. That's a Wednesday evening. Bring your favorite instrument, you know, sing along with us, and join us, and we'll play some worship songs together that night. That'll be August 16th, 6.30 p.m. Also, we're excited to announce uh, we're showing the movie The Sound of Freedom here. Sound of Freedom? I don't think there's a the in the title. But anyway, uh, that's going to be August 25th uh, here at the church, 6.30. That will be a ticketed event. You can purchase your ticket uh, on the app. It's not really like a kid's movie, so just bear that in mind. Uh, but yes, I've heard really good things about that movie. So that's August 25th, 6.30 p.m. Those are the announcements I have. And with all that being said, let's get ready for church. Woo! Good morning, Vineyard family, and welcome. We're so excited that you're here. As we worship the Lord, come along with us, and I can't wait for us to hear today's message from Pastor Doug on our series called Sword Sharpening 10. Are you excited? Are you ready? Okay, let's go. <laughs> Good feeling, everybody. Good morning, family. You guys sound awake today. Nice. It's quite the compliment. Well, sometimes everyone's just kind of having their coffee and vibing. True. So anyways, um, it's good to see all your faces and hear your voices. We are looking forward to spending time in worship and in the word with you all. I'm going to tell you what we're attempting to do in case you don't know the flow. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to their different Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Doug today. We're in sword sharpening part 10. We're running out of fingers. Let it me, gets tricky after I was going to say, yeah, we're going to need gonna, toes next. And then that gets yeah, weird. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff today. We're talking about parallels between Daniel and Christ and lots of good stuff. Before we get in there, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we thank you for your presence here this morning. And we thank you that you wanted a place where heaven and earth could connect. Papa, help us to, to lean in this morning. Stir up new things in our hearts. We just want to love like you love, Papa. So stir up those family attributes in us so that we can love one more lost kid back into your family. 
You are so, so good to us. And we thank you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, your unfailing providence governs all things in heaven and on earth. We humbly ask you to take away from us all hurtful things and to give us that which is helpful for our now and forever life in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal... I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here this morning, we too can partake of this meal. The bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together. And I always try to encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we praise the Lord here today. We're going to see the words on the screen so we can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. We speak the name of Jesus.
the book of Revelation, chapter 4, says, come up here. Come up here and worship. Meaning,
love you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You're so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, you're up now, but would you come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, everyone. So good to see you and your dino. So cute. All right, so today we find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is sitting by the shore, and a whole bunch of crowds have gathered around him, and he starts to tell them parables. Do you remember what parables are? Yes, it's where Jesus says, I'm a teaching, so cool. you have to think what means for yourself. Very good. Stories, right? Another word for parables is stories. So he tells them stories to teach them about God's kingdom. And then one of his disciples asks him, right? Lord, why do you teach us in parables? Why do you teach us telling us stories, right? And Jesus responds. He says, not everyone will understand the truths about God's kingdom, did you know that? Yeah. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet. His name was Isaiah. And he said, some people will look, but not see. Some people will hear, right? But they won't listen and they won't understand. And Jesus told the crowds in Matthew thirteen sixteen, but blessed are your eyes because they see and blessed are your ears because they hear, right? And those that believe are able to understand the things of the kingdom. Did you know that? Yes, right? The Holy Spirit helps us. Okay. And then Jesus told them parables. Three of them is what we're going to talk about today. First, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, very, very tiny, that a man plants in a field. It's the smallest seed, but it grows to be taller than the garden plants. The seed will become a tree and birds will build its nest in it. Isn't that amazing? Okay, number two. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like, oh gosh, we must just, it's like a treasure buried in a field. A man has found it and then he buries it again and then he goes away and sells everything that he has to buy that field, right? Because there's treasure in the field. He wants it. It's important, right? The third 
parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a large net that you put in the water, right? And it gets a lot of fish. It gathers fish. And then when it's full, right, the fishermen take it to shore. And then they separate the good fish and put it in containers. And they throw away all the bad fish. And Jesus said, in the end of time, God will separate people who trust in him from people who don't, right? Very important. Jesus was teaching us that although the kingdom of heaven might seem very small, it is growing. It is getting bigger, right? And the kingdom of heaven is very valuable, very important, right? And it's worth giving everything for, Jesus said that he is coming back, and when he comes back, he's going to set up his kingdom. Can you believe that? I know. But he says until that happens, we are to obey him, and we are to tell others about him. Are you guys ready for that? Thumbs up? Cool. Awesome. All right. So now we get to tell everyone else the Bible story, the Bible verse. We all say it together. Are you guys ready? Okay. Repeat after me. Cool. Matthew 13, 16. Matthew 13, 16. Good job. But blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes. Because they see. And your ears. Because they hear. Wow. Excellent work, everyone. Awesome job. The children are receiving stickers. Yes. Are those s'mores? Those are s'mores. Do we have any birthdays? I don't think nobody told me. So, if it is your birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> Mine's in November. Is that close enough? November birthdays. Are you guys ready? Now we're gonna talk to the Lord, okay? So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes because Papa's hearing, okay? He's listening. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for our kids, Lord God. We're so grateful, Lord God, that we can tell others about you, Lord God, that you empower us to do this, Lord God. Help us to obey you, Lord God, and help us to understand what a treasure it is that we are part of your kingdom. What do we say, boys and girls? Amen. Amen. All right, the kids are going to have a tremendous time at Sunday school. Well, good morning once again. I'm, uh, I'm always so excited when I get the opportunity to share the message. My parents uh, are out of town. They're, they're not here. Uh, they took their two oldest grandchildren and their favorite child, which is neither me nor my sister, but... Our dog, Mia, you know, Sarah is a, you know, multi-book published author. I'm following in his footsteps, but dog's number one. So anyway, they all drove to Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, the, the rest of the staff is following here the next couple of days. There's a vineyard leadership conference there, so be praying for us as we travel and we get filled up there. But they send their love. They're doing very well. A uh, couple quick announcements. I've been announcing that the newcomer's lunch was August 5th, and I must have looked at the calendar without my glasses on, because August 5th is a Saturday, and it won't be that day. It's August 6th, okay? So 
make a note of that, as I will make a note, and we'll, <laughs> we'll correct that next week. That is my bad. Okay. A uh, little bit of church keeping before close. we jump in. I was, it was a day, you know, but if you show up August 5th at like 12, it's just going to be hot, and you know, nobody's going to be here. All right. Sorry. Church keeping here. If this is your first time here, you've been visiting us for the last few weeks, and you'd like to get better connected, we do have a connect card here, and uh, our connect card is digital. You'll scan this QR code with your phone. And that will take you to a web page that just gets us in touch with you. And all we do is we send you a few text messages. It, it's nothing that's too much. It's not annoying, I promise. So do it if you haven't done it. That's a great thing to do. That gets you better connected. And if you haven't done it yet, I'm removing it in three, two, one. Okay. We also take this time in our services, and we encourage our church to be praying for our community. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for the people who live in the homes around your home. We feel like that makes a big difference in the kingdom. Prayer makes an impact. So pray for your neighbors. And to reinforce this idea, let's pray for our community together corporately. Holy Spirit, would you come again as you are so faithful to show up when we ask you to God, you're, you're wonderful, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're so gracious, you're so generous. Lord, we love you, we worship you, we crown you, God. You are worthy of all of our praise. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd bless these islands we call the Florida Keys, from Key West all the way up, God. Would you bless the inhabitants of these islands, Lord? Lord God, we pray that your kingdom would break through in the Florida Keys as it is in heaven, God. Would you bring renewal? Would you bring revival? Would you bring breakthrough? We want to see hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands come to know you as their Lord and as their Savior. And Father, I lift up the people who live in the homes adjacent to this church building. God, we're so thankful for them. Would you give them extra grace as they give us extra grace with traffic jams and such? And Father, I lift up the churches that neighbor our church as well, that proclaim your gospel, that do your kingdom work, God. Would you bless them with every resource, every provision, every person that they need to fulfill the missions that you've called them to? Lord God, you're wonderful, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we are continuing on in our series called Sword Sharpening. This is part 10. After this, you're going to have to use your toes or something, but 10th part. And uh, in this series, we're looking at how to make the most out of our time with the Bible. And this week, what we're going to be looking at is continuing on this storyline of the Bible, and we're going to look uh, at this fifth section, which is First Chronicles through Malachi. And we're actually going to read that entire part of the Bible. It's going to take a few hours, so I hope your coffee's fresh. Here we go. I'm kidding. I don't think I could talk that long. But uh, yeah, that's the section we're going to be looking at. And uh, that, was, that, was that an adequate joke? Because I have not received good feedback on these jokes. I mean, and this you, is when. You would have so much fun pronouncing all the names in Chronicles. It, it's <laughs> fun, or, you know, I don't know. Anyway, joke time to save me here. Why, um, why did the man quit his job recycling shoes? Because it was soul crushing. <laughs> crushed his soul, man. Yeah. How. I was wondering this. How do you evade someone who's trying to steal your barbecue? You kebab and weave. <laughs> Grill jokes. Gotta love them. I've asked Kimberly to uh, 
to do our scripture reading. I'm sorry, are, are grill jokes like the extra dad jokes? I, like, <laughs> you know, you got to be wearing the white New Balance shoes. These are Adidas. Oh, yeah. You wear well, the white New Balances the, with some grass stains on it. That's that's the only the reason dad you don't joke. have those is because I threw them out when we got married. Yeah, I still miss those. <laughs> anyway, sorry. would you read our scripture? Okay, yes. Let's let's pray and refocus. Mm, Holy Spirit, would you come again? Father, as we sang all morning of your great love for us, of your love story, of the things that you went through to bring us back into your family, how can we do anything but sit in awe and wonder? Papa, would you take that And help us to turn that towards your written scriptures. Help us to dig deep and learn to love you more and better and understand you better as we dig and dig and study and learn what your heart says. We love you so much. Amen. Will you stand with me for the reading of the word? Our text this morning is out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So it's always cool to see uh, one of your favorite passages of Scripture in context. And uh, one of the most recited Bible verses of all time was in that passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And uh, it's right in the section that we're in, and it's the, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, the Lord is speaking through him to the people of Israel as they're in exile. So uh, when you read that verse and when you quote it in your heart, remember the context that it was spoken in, that it was to a group of people uh, in exile. So very cool to note that. As we jump in today's message, quick little recap just to get us all uh, on the same page. The last four weeks, uh, we've been breaking up the Bible into eight different sections. And uh, the first one that we looked at was Kingdom Revealed. Uh, that's the very first part of the Bible. And what you need to remember from that is the cosmic temple, the divine realm, which is the Elohim, and the earth realm, which is humans. That's us. Uh, and then after that, we looked at the section called Kingdom Rebellion, which is the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. 
a couple weeks ago, we looked at Kingdom Covenant, uh, where we read about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And then last week, we looked at Kingdom Foreshadowed, uh, where we talked about the ten plagues, the ten words, the tabernacle, and the temple. And uh, last week, when we were in Kingdom Foreshadowed, we saw the height of the people of Israel under King David and Solomon. Uh, and we also saw that mess and brokenness abounded uh, even when they reigned. Uh, we see after King Solomon died, uh, his son Rehoboam causes uh, a fracturing of the nation. There's a whole message in there uh, about not listening to bad advice, uh, but we're not getting into that message today. But anyway, because of his decisions, it leads to the kingdom splitting. And we see uh, two kingdoms formed. There's the northern kingdom, which gets called Israel, and then the southern kingdom, uh, which is called Judah. And each of those kingdoms have their own kings that are different, and the kings all run Israel straight to the ground. Uh, God warns them over and over and over again to turn back to God, to follow his ways, but they repeatedly refused. They all just couldn't wait to be king, and they did their own thing. Uh, both kingdoms uh, eventually get taken over by Gentile enemies. We see the northern kingdom get taken over by the Assyrians, and the southern kingdom gets taken over by uh, the Babylonians, the, Babylonians the, the, the Persians. So, Siri, stop it. Does that happen to anybody else with your Apple Watch? Your like, wrist bends a little bit. She just spies on you. <laughs> so Babylonians come from the south. They take over the southern kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Judah. And what's ironic about this story is that God's chosen people have shown that they're no different than the people around them in the neighboring nations. God's chosen people were no different because of their rebellion ruining God's good world. They were, they were chosen for a purpose. They rebelled against it. And uh, what we're going to see as we dive in is God's presence is going to leave and that's going to cause uh, an exile. And during this time of exile, God raises up prophets to announce the coming kingdom where God would again restore his son David, fulfilled through Christ, to the throne. So this week, the section we're, call, we're, we're in is called Kingdom Coming. And the things that we're going to need to remember from this week are the glory departs from the temple, the exile, and the prophets. So our first point is going to be that first one there, that the glory departs. We see the presence of God leave the temple that Solomon built. We, we read that Solomon builds the temple last week. David wanted to he wasn't able to, Solomon builds it, and we see the presence come and fill the temple. Unfortunately, what happens is the people rebel against God's way, and we see the presence of God leaving the temple, and we read about this happening in Ezekiel. And we see in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 3, now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in, and a cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. The cloud filled the temple, and the court was full of the radiance of the glory of the Lord. So we see moving from the whole temple uh, to this entrance. Later on in Ezekiel chapter 10, we're going to see it move to a side entrance. Verse 18, then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. And while Ezekiel watched, he says, while I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground. And as they went, the wheels went with them. And they stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of the God of Israel was above them. So we see the presence of God sort of making his way out 
uh, in this season of rebellion. And later on in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 23, we see the, the glory of God leaving. Uh, it went up from within the city and stopped above the mountain east of it on its way out of Jerusalem and the temple. So this glory departing effectively starts the Israelites' exile. So as I mentioned, the two kingdoms get wiped out, uh, the, the northerners get wiped out by the Assyrians, the, the southerners get uh, wiped out by the Babylonian Empire. So they come in and they wipe out Jerusalem, they destroy the temple, which means there's no place on earth now in this time where heaven and earth still meet. It's gone, wiped out. And all the Israelites that were left get deported to Babylon, and they're there for 70 years, so the 70-year period of exile. And that's when many of the prophets in that time start talking about a new temple. Uh, After the 70 years in Babylonian captivity, uh, Cyrus says, you can go back to Jerusalem, and we read about that happening in Ezra after the 70-year period's up. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. So the people... Uh, they do go back to Jerusalem. We see them. They, they leave Babylon, go to Jerusalem, and they actually rebuild the temple. Uh, but what we see not happen is the glory returns. So they build the temple, but the presence of God doesn't return to the temple. We see in the Old Testament, the last prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi, is going to talk about that. And he, he says uh, he's coming back. The presence of God's coming back. But it's going to be a whole lot different than what we thought. And we read about that in Malachi uh, chapter 3. And he says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. That messenger that we read about in Malachi uh, is John the Baptist. And that's going to be what we're going to talk about next week when we go into kingdom incarnate in that section. But I want to spend the most of our time here uh, talking about our third point, which was the the prophets, right? And there's there's one prophet I want to look at. Uh, in particular for now. So many good ones, so many lessons to learn, uh, but our third one's going to be a prophet in exile, and today uh, we're going to talk about Daniel, the, the prophet Daniel. Daniel was a man of God. We read about him. He was, he was righteous. Uh, he prayed often. Good dude. And um, probably the most recognizable thing you'll remember about Daniel is the, the lion's den, right? Uh, you know, if you went to Sunday school a lot like I did, they, they talked about that cool story. And uh, growing up, I remember there was a VeggieTales episode that uh, watched a lot. And uh, the, the bad guys in the story were scallions. So uh, there, there's like all these titles as we're going to read this. And uh, I, I will read the scripture as it says, but as I speak, I will refer to them as the scallions, okay? So just, just so you're aware, we're, you're on my page, okay? It's not, it's not actually correct, but VeggieTales, good stuff. This, this story, though... 
of Daniel in the lion's den, uh, there's some amazing connections of the passion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus found in the four Gospels of the New Testament. So many amazing connections and parallels that we're going to look at today. And it's incredible that this story in Daniel is a foreshadowing, a greater story that's not going to unfold for another 500 years. So in this time, I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between Daniel and and Jesus here. But we're going to be looking primarily at Daniel chapter 6, Starting in verse 1, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among these administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. We read that there. Daniel so distinguished himself by his exceptional qualities. He distinguishes himself because of the excellent spirit that was in him. Daniel lived submitted to God. He prayed often. He sought the Lord's counsel, and the Lord uses Daniel mightily. Daniel uh, could run an abacus like nobody's business. He was a great administrator. Like, you know, anybody know how to use an abacus anymore? I, I don't. He did. The king, because of Daniel's abilities and talents, planned to exalt him over all. We saw that. So fast forward a few years, we see Jesus. He distinguishes himself because he had that excellent spirit without measure. And John the Baptist says that in John chapter 3, verse 34. And then we see the angel uh, speaking to Mary, saying that the Lord planned to exalt Jesus over all. Really cool connection. There's some more good ones. Uh, Verse 4, Daniel chapter 6. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors, see why I want to call them scallions, have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the den of lions. We see uh, these other officials are just jealous of Daniel. The king really liked Daniel, because Daniel uh, was an excellent dude. He he was good at his job, served the Lord. So they're they're jealous at him, and they're trying to find some fake news against him to to make him look bad, and they can't, because he had integrity. So they're like, okay, we got to come up with something to get rid of Daniel. Similarly, we see Jesus who his enemies seek to find accusation against him. They're, they're trying to corner him all the time. They're trying to get him to, to, to fall. They're, they're accusing him of being a blasphemer. All these, all these things, we, we see Jesus being falsely accused. Okay, Flashback to Daniel here, verse 8. Now your majesty, Scallion's talking again, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. The, the governors... Here, uh, they pretend a singular devotion to the king. 
They're seeking to condemn Daniel, asking for this injunction of loyalty uh, regarding prayer only to the king. So they're creating this bill that says, uh, King Darius, live forever, pray to him only. Anybody does anything else for the next 30 days, throw them in the lion's den. You know, they, they, they make a great title, have this horrible bill, and they only keep it around for 30 days so it doesn't inconvenience them too mightily. Kind of interesting. Uh, similarly, we go back to Jesus' time now. Uh, we see these chief priests pretend a similar, singular devotion to Caesar. We read in John 19.15, these religious leaders, these men of God say, we have no king but Caesar. And for them to say that, they disliked the Romans immensely. Uh, they, they wanted to go back to their ways. So for them to say that is a big deal. Flashback to Daniel, uh, chapter 6, verse 9. So King Darius puts the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel knew what had happened. He knew this injunction had been signed to go after him personally. Uh, He knew the, the, the risk, but still, he goes to his upper room. He goes to his quiet place, and he seeks refuge in the Lord. He goes for three seasons of prayer. Very similarly, we see Jesus knowing his betrayal sealed, knowing persecution's coming. He goes to a quiet place. He goes to Gethsemane to pray. He kneels down in three seasons of prayer. We read that in Matthew chapter 26. Back to Daniel here, verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Uh, Did you not just publish that decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. They got to get tired of saying that. Verse 13. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Daniel was his guy. He was his number one dude. He's like, man, Daniel's so good. I got I to gotta figure out a way to save him. We see Daniel's accusers, uh, the, the scallions, they go to this king to charge him uh, for some bogus law, right? Uh, the king knows these guys are messed up, that they're, they're not in the right, and that Daniel's innocent, but he sort of got, you know, the, the shiny bill sort of took him for surprise there, right? Uh, he undertakes many efforts to deliver Daniel, uh, but he can't. He's unable to. Similarly, we see Jesus' accusers deliver him up to Pontius Pilate, demanding his death. We see Pilate, knowing these people are in the wrong. He knows that Jesus is innocent. He does several things to try to get these people to stop and to chill out, but the crowd is undeterred by his motions. And eventually, we see Pilate just wash his hands and say, I'm not responsible for this. Go do your thing. Go back to Daniel now. Verse 15. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gives the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king says to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, 
rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. And I'm hoping that, you know, some light bulbs are going off. We're starting to see these connections more and more. We see Daniel persecuted wrongly, thrown into a den of lions, facing certain death, and a stone rolled away over the mouth of the pit and sealed with the king's seal and sealed with the king's official's seal. Very similarly, we see Jesus is crucified and he's buried in a tomb in the earth. We see a stone rolled over the mouth of the tomb and sealed with the seals of Pilate's officials. Going back to Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. And I just imagine Larry the Cucumber going, I'm good. (laughs) Daniel answers, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. We see early in the morning, the king, King Darius arises, goes in haste to the den of lions. Daniel reports to the king that God sent his angel to deliver him from death. The king orders, the seal's broken, the stone rolled away. Daniel's raised up from the den of death. Very similarly, we see early in the morning, God sent his angel to break the seals, to roll away the stone, and to raise up Jesus from the grave. Jesus comes forth from the tomb, defeats death. Back to Daniel for just another minute. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they even reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. We see the king's epistle there. Uh, his proclamation of the sovereignty of God to Daniel. He tells of the Lord's power to deliver people from death. That's paralleled with the gospel message. The theme of the good news is that God is sovereign and that he has ordained the power of the gospel to deliver people from death. We read about that in Romans 1.16. And you know, as I was getting ready for this message and I saw that verse, I wanted to just read it right from the Bible. And it says this, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Believe in it. Know it. It is the power that saves. May we be like Daniel, who in the face of persecution, knowing we're not promised uh, an exempt card from persecution, knowing he faces it, prays, says, Lord, deliver me. Trust that God will deliver us from the den of lions. We seek him. We pray to him. So remember, uh, in this section, uh, that the glory departs, uh, the exile and the prophets. Remember that the gospel saves us. Theme of the good news. Carry that into next week. Next week, uh, we're going to be looking at kingdom incarnate with John the Baptist. going to be a really good message. My dad will be back for that. Uh, You won't want to miss it. And uh, we're, we're going to pray here. And b- before I pray, I'll invite the ministry team over to the wall. If any of you need prayer for anything, uh, folks over there would be happy to pray for you. If you need prayers for healing, intercession, breakthrough, get, get prayed up. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your lives, do that today. It is the best decision that you can ever make. And Lord, we are so, so thankful for the good news. Or God, we are thankful for the gospel. Help us to not be ashamed, but to hold on to it. For we know is the power of God is our salvation. So Lord, we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, uh, in seasons where it feels like we're in, in exile, to, to turn to you. We know that, that you're with us because of what Jesus did. So Lord, we are so thankful for all that you've done. We love you, Lord. And church, uh, got to say this, thank you so much for partnering with us. Your amazing generosity keeps the day-to-day functions of this church going, keeps the lights on, so we are so thankful. Uh, the info to do that is uh, on the screens uh, if you're interested. Let's, uh, let's sing our doxology together now, and I think we'll be good. So here we go. Praise God from... And may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you, and may he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. On your way out, uh, practice patience in the parking lot. Catch some fish. Hope your team or race car driver wins. See you later. And goodbye. Online church, I think the camera's like, am I in it? Hopefully I am. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, Next week, we're in Kingdom Incarnate. Going to be a good one. My dad's back. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, Be well. We'll see you next week. Bye.